what's happening Central Campus. Good to see everybody. Come on, give Jesus a big hand clap today. Good to be in the house of the Lord. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm so glad you're sitting next to me today. I'm so glad you are sitting next to me. Hey, we got a bunch of people that are watching online. Netherlands, Georgia, North Carolina, Virginia, West Virginia, Hawaii, uh, Indiana, New York, Delaware, and Alabama. Give it up for all of our online streamers. So great. Uh, in the first service, I met a young lady who had been watching us online here in Charlotte and has now started coming as a result, because that's what our online experience is about. It's a bridge. It's not the end all. We know there are people in other cities that it's really difficult to find a church that really uh, is speaking the truth, and especially today. Sad, but it's true. Um, but we're so thankful that we can be that house where you can come, because there's nothing better than being in the room, isn't there? Nothing better. I mean, online's okay. It's like takeout's okay, but sitting in the restaurant's way better. Right? Right? Even though you got to pay a tip, it's still better. Still way better. Hey, where are my strongmen at? Where are my strongmen at? Hey, get your phones out real quick. If you have not registered, do it right now. You can skip the first, like, you know, five minutes of this message and register. Just make sure you get involved, what we're doing. I cannot wait till next Saturday. Um, I really feel like God is breathing on something that I have to say to you, and it's going to be fantastic. We have been in the best few series starting out this year. We started talking about spiritual warfare and last month, we talked about what we build our lives on solid ground. And this month, we want to talk about what we build our lives with. These are called spiritual disciplines, things like worship and prayer and fasting and community, study, rest, confession, meditation, different things. I'm going to talk specifically about generosity today, but I, you know, I would consider myself a pretty disciplined person, but like most of us, I am disciplined in the areas that I like, right? It's the areas that we don't like that we have to learn discipline, right? And so what ends up with me is I'm really good at eating good. I like to eat well. You know, I take a cheat day every now and then. You know, eat in moderation. Just really take care of your body. I like to exercise. I enjoy that. Um, I get up early. I really guard my morning times. I'm an early guy. My wife is not an early person. She's, she's a midnight person. And, you know, she, it's really annoying when she wakes up, you know, three o'clock in the morning and is doing her thing and I'm trying to sleep. And so, you know, that's why God made AirPods. And so um, I, I, I go to bed early because I want to get up early. You know, even if you're at my house, I'll just leave and go to sleep. Those of y'all that have been in my house before, they're like, it's nine o'clock, pastor's going to bed. That's right, you can stay as long as you want. Just lock up when you leave. I'm going to sleep because I like my mornings. I'm disciplined. It's the areas that we are not good at that we need to develop discipline. I wanna talk about the discipline of generosity, the discipline of generosity. This young lady uh, was heading on a trip and she got to the airport and the plane was delayed. I don't know if you've ever been in that situation, especially if you leave out of Charlotte, you're gonna um, experience some delayed flights. And so she goes to the, the store and she says, you know, since I've got a little bit of time, I'm gonna buy the best-selling novel and a bag of cookies. So she finds a nice, quiet place to sit down. She gets engrossed in the book right away. And this man sits beside her and reaches in the bag of cookies and starts eating them. She doesn't say anything. She's just freaking out. She can't believe that this man has just reached into the bag of cookies to grab a cookie. And she says, you know, in her, in her head, she says, I'm a nice person. If I wasn't, I'd probably punch this guy right now. 
She reaches in, grabs a cookie. He reaches in, grabs a cookie. She reaches in, grabs a cookie. He reaches in, grabs a cookie. She's freaking out on the inside. Like, I cannot believe this. Gets down to the last cookie. She's thinking, he's not gonna do it. He reaches in, grabs the last cookie, breaks it in half, gives her half, and he eats the other half. She grabs her stuff real quick, runs to the airplane, gets in her seat in the airplane, and it's like trying to forget, like trying to just not remember what just happened to her. She cannot believe what's going on, and she reaches down in her bag to grab her book, and as she does, her bag of cookies falls out. And she realizes that the entire time that she was sitting there, she wasn't eating her cookies she was eating his cookies. One of the most important points about generosity is that you're not eating your cookies, you're actually eating God's cookies. That God is the one who gave you the cookies. And you gotta recognize that he is actually sharing because he owns everything. It all starts the first thing starts with understanding that God is generous, isn't he? I mean, think about what he's done for you. He's been so generous to you. It's called grace, by the way. That's what God's generosity is. For God so loved that he gave. It's by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourself. It's God's grace. Grace is God giving to you what you don't deserve. We don't deserve heaven, but he gave it to us anyway. We don't deserve Jesus, but he gave it to us, gave him to us anyway. Christianity started with generosity. Why? Because God's nature is generous. He never breathes in. He's always breathing out. Matter of fact, the first mention of God and humanity is when Adam is created, formed out of the dust, and as he's taking his first breath, God is breathing out into him. We breathe in, God is always breathing out. So let me ask you a question. Are you generous? Do you have a generous spirit? Listen to Revelation chapter 20. You're like, where in the world is he going with this? Just follow me. Revelation 20, verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it and whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. Point at your neighbor, say, now he's talking about you. He's talking about you. The dead, small and great. And books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. Okay, so let's just get this picture for a second. At the end of everything, we're gonna be, you and I are gonna stand before God and there will be lots of books. Matter of fact, the Bible says there's books of everything that you said. You know, there's an angel following you, writing everything down, everything that you've said. There's books about what we've done and then there's the book called the book of life where if we've made a decision to become a follower of Jesus, our names are written in that book. But understand, when you stand before God, you're actually gonna stand in two different positions. The first is he's gonna ask you a question. Two questions he's gonna ask you. The first question is, what did you do with my son Jesus? So he's gonna ask you, what did you do with Jesus? The wrong answer would be, I went to church, I sang some songs, I gave some money, I read my Bible, I believed most of it. I was a good person, that's the wrong answer. The right answer would be, I know him. 
I know Jesus. I have a relationship with Jesus. Because we know the Bible says that many will come to him saying, Lord, Lord, and he will say, I don't even know who you are. And they'll say, but, but, but I prophesied in your name. I cast out demons. I did all kinds of miracles in your name. And he said, I don't even know who you are. The second question that you're gonna have to answer is what did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with what I gave you? Because everybody in this room, no matter how unqualified we may feel, have been given gifts, talents, skills. Every one of us, there's something special that God put in the inside of you. He did something very significant on the inside of you. Now, you may not be giving those gifts to God. You may be giving them to Bank of America or Wells Fargo or to build your business. But the question that God's gonna ask you is, what did you do with them for me? The right answer or the wrong answer would be, um, I did nothing. I lived selfishly. The right answer would be, I gave it all away. I lived a generous life. I wanna give you three things that will help you with your generosity whether you are or are not generous. The first thing, write this down if you're taking notes. Write this down if you're not taking notes. Or just write on your neighbor. Why not? They need to remember. Number one, write this down. Generosity begins in the heart. Generosity begins in the heart. Second Corinthians chapter nine is what I call the generous chapter. If, if you got married anytime in the recent years, you know, the love chapter is what? 1 Corinthians chapter 13, right? Well, this is the generosity chapter. This talks about giving, and it's not just about money, it's actually about our heart, because it all starts in the heart. Listen to what he says in 2 Corinthians 9, beginning in verse six. He says, here's my point, here's my point, here's what I wanna say. A stingy sower will reap a meager harvest, but the one who sows from a generous spirit will, be, will reap an abundant harvest. Okay, so if you're stingy, you'll get stingy back. If you're generous, you'll get abundance back. Verse seven, let giving flow from your heart, not your wallet, but from your heart. Not from a sense of religious duty or obligation, one translation says, but let it spring up freely from the joy of giving. I believe some people are born generous, but I also know that some people can be made generous. You can change your heart. Can I get an amen? He says, let it spring up freely from the joy of giving, all because God loves hilarious or cheerful generosity. Yes, God is more than ready to overwhelm you with every form of grace. I love that statement. So that means that grace comes in many different shapes and sizes and ways. God gives us grace in so many different ways so that you will have more than enough of everything. Every moment, and in every way, he will make you overflow with abundance in every good thing you do. That's a, that's a great verse, isn't it? See, what happens on the outside always happens on the inside first. It's not just what we do, but who we are. And you can change your heart. I think you can go from being stingy to being generous. I think you really can. So let's, let's talk about the difference between what it looks like to have a stingy spirit. And maybe today it'll get cast out of you. Amen. Maybe I, I could, I, this morning in the first service, we had a bunch of stingy spirits just run out the building. <laughs> Wham, they were gone. We had a Pentecostal moment. 
Stingy versus generous. You can learn to be generous. Hit your neighbor, say, you can learn to be generous. Stingy is different than frugal. Stingy is different than frugal. Frugal is intelligent and wise use of time and energy and resources, okay? There's a difference between being stingy and being frugal. Stingy is a lack of faith. I just don't believe that God will take care of me. Actually, it's poor stewardship. Stingy people live in fear. They are what I call financially insecure. Now, I'm an only child, okay? Not only am I on an only child, but I'm an only grandchild on both sides of the family. So some would say I'm spoiled. Some. I don't think I'm spoiled. I just think everything's mine. I remember when I first started dating Penny and we went out to dinner at McDonald's. It was, you know, it was a big night. And I ordered, you know, my, my normal double cheeseburger with extra cheese and extra onions on it. Because I love a double cheeseburger from McDonald's. I mean, it'll make you sick afterwards, but I love it. And she reached over and grabbed a couple french fries off of my tray. I looked at her like, what in the world are you doing, woman? Like, I know we're dating here, but don't touch my fries. Those are my fries. If you want fries, I'll buy you fries, but don't eat my fries. Like, even the ones that are left in the bottom of the bag, they're mine. I had a hard time dealing with this whole only child thing because my whole life was about me. Christmas, I didn't have to share presents with anybody. They were all mine. Hey, we got to wait for, no, no. We wake up, they open my presents. We don't have to wait for anybody to go around. Like, you go next and you go next. No, they're all mine. Birthday parties, mine. Only child. In other words, I was stingy. I had to break through some of these ideas. My wife helped me. Aren't you thankful for Penny? She's great at helping you get the stingy spirit off of you. Stingy people are sad. Most stingy people that I meet, they're just kind of sad. They're just moping through life. Typically, they carry a sad countenance because they have a fear of losing. Stingy people are scared people. They hold on to everything. Remember that, remember that show called The Hoarder Show? I mean, they had everything. I remember when I was in the insurance business and I went into people's houses that lived like that. I was blown away, blown away. And they always had cats. Maybe that's where I got just completely, you know, distasteful toward them. I don't know. I always learned that whenever you went into a place in sales like that, you never sat in a, in a chair that had cushions on it or anything like that. You always say, could I have one of the chairs from the dining room table that's straight back made of wood? Because you didn't know what you would get on you by sitting in that chair. I remember the first time I did it without sitting in I mean, I had all kinds of stuff crawling. It was nasty. Hoarders. That's a stingy person. They keep everything. Stingy. Stingy people have a poverty mindset. In the early days of the church, we had Thanksgiving dinner. I'll never forget this. It was the first year we had started the church, and we had maybe 35 people attending the church, and so we just invited them all over for Thanksgiving dinner. You know this guy showed up at my house with his own Tupperware? His own Tupperware at, you know how that rubbed against my only child? I left him at the door. I closed it. I said, just hold on a second, and I went back. I said, honey, you're not gonna believe this. This guy just showed up at my house at my Thanksgiving dinner thinking he's gonna take leftovers home from my house. I said, you can leave your Tupperware out and come on in. <laughs> stingy. Look at your neighbor. Say, stingy. Stingy. Proverbs 28, verse 22. A stingy man hastens after wealth and does not know that poverty will come upon him. 
Let me read that one more time. A stingy man hastens after wealth, but does not know that poverty will come upon him. Stingy usually comes out of something that has happened to them or because they have been taught not to be generous. They taught their parents or an experience or really no exposure to generosity. It's not just about finances, but stingy people are typically stingy with their emotions. They're stingy with their thoughts. They're stingy with their ideas. They're stingy with their life. So, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7, so let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Generous people are willing. Now, let me unpack this, because when you are willing, you may not be able But because of your willingness, God will always make you able. That's what he says he'll do. If you just say, God, I'm willing, and you don't have, God will make sure that you have so you can be willing. He'll always give you what you need if you'll just say, God, use me, work through me. I really wanna do something big I really want to help people. I really want to make a change. I really want to invest in your kingdom. God said, oh, I like that. Did you hear that, Michael? Go fight some devils. Gabriel, send some money down there. Send him a check right now. Help them. Help them be willing. Help help them be able because they're willing. Uh, Generous people live according to kingdom economy. Now, they understand the world's economy, but they don't live according to it. In other words, they understand that in God's kingdom, there's no such thing as recession. I mean, if he paved the streets with gold and built the, the gates with pearls and the walls with jewels, I think God is okay. I don't think God's wondering, are we gonna make it? Maybe we need to go all electric up here. No, no, he's not thinking that way. He's not thinking that things are gonna run out because he's abundant. He's more than enough. He's not just enough, he's more than enough. He'll do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ever ask or even think. But let me ask you, have you ever asked? Have you ever thought? Because that's what generous people do. They start asking, they start thinking. Generous people sow to their harvest, never from their harvest. They're thinking ahead, they're looking ahead. Generous people, they understand that they're stewards, not owners. God owns it all. And God just gave me some so I can give it away and he'll bless me on the way. Generous people are sacrificial. In other words, sacrifice is forfeiting my current comfort for the sake of future benefit. That's what sacrifice means. They're sacrificial. It's giving up or the loss of something for a bigger and better cause. Okay, everybody look at me for a second. When you're truly been born again, like I'm talking saved, God has changed you. You have experienced the power of God that ripped you out of an old life and set you in a brand new life. I mean, when that has really happened to you, I don't think there's any way that you can not be generous. I mean, when God has changed you, when God took you from addiction to no addiction, took you from chained up and bound up to no longer chained up and bound up. There's no way that you can't be generous because God has changed you so much. I mean, I think this is what true transformation is. You're not asking questions. You're asking God, what can I do for you? You've done so much for me. That's what I really believe. I don't think you can be stingy 
if God has truly changed you. Do you believe that? Do you see what I'm saying here? Second thing, generosity is living with legacy in mind. Legacy, legacy. Psalms 112, verse five and six, good will come to those who are generous. Good will come to those who are generous and lend freely, who conduct their affairs with justice. Listen to verse six. Surely the righteous will never be shaken. I love how God puts righteousness and generosity in the same kind of mindset. Surely the righteous will never be, for, never be shaken. They will be remembered forever. Good will come to those. Giving to something that will outlive you. That's what legacy is. When you're generous, you're thinking, I wanna be involved with something that will carry my name and God's name way beyond my life. I heard this this week. This gentleman said that you are born looking like your parents, but you die looking like your decisions. I wanna make a decision to make God great and make him famous because that's what legacy is. Good will come to those. Giving to something that will outlive me. They will be remembered forever. You live so your life outlives you. Now remember, you're gonna stand before God and be asked two questions. Basically two types of judgment. What, will you, what did you do with Jesus? Did you have faith in him? Your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And secondly, what did you do with what I gave you? Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse nine. It says, for we are God's fellow workers. You and I are. You are God's field, you are God's building. According to the grace of God, this is, remember, Paul talking to the Corinthian church, and he's talking to them about him building on the foundation of Jesus Christ. He was the, a, a master builder, a builder. He says, according to the grace of God which was given to me, my gifts, Paul's saying, my gifts were used as a master builder to not lay the foundation because the foundation is Jesus Christ, but to help you build on that foundation. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. Verse 11, for no other foundation can anyone lay that than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, verse 12, if anyone builds on this foundation with, and he gives us the materials by which we can build our life. He says, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw. He says, each one's work or the foundation that they built on, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it. When you stand before God, what you built with will be declared before God. Okay, so you have to ask, your, am I building with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw? Why? Because it will be revealed by fire. What I see, I kind of see this picture. When we stand before God, he goes, what did you do with what I gave you? And he's gonna look at the legacy that we've built. Is it made of gold, silver, or precious stones? Because when I walk through the fire, wood, hay, and straw, going away. Meaningless, empty, not gonna last. But look what he says. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work, which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. Whoa. So that means that when I get to heaven, now let me, let me say something real quick. Remember that your work doesn't get you into heaven. 
Let me say that again. What you do doesn't get you into heaven. Your faith gets you into heaven by the grace of God. But this scripture right here and many others tell me that when I get to heaven, I have the potential for a reward. What? I like rewards. Come on. And what does he say? How am I gonna be rewarded? I'm gonna be rewarded based on how I built my life. And fire is gonna test it. What's gonna last? Listen, the only thing that's gonna last is what was heavenward invested. He says, if anyone's work which he has built on indoors, he will receive a reward. Verse 15, if anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved. So he's not talking about being saved here. He's talking about a reward. In other words, there will be some people in heaven that don't get a reward because they did not use what they were given for God's sake. This is called eternal return on investment. And generous people understand this principle that whatever I do generous wise is gonna be for an eternal return on investment. I'm gonna invest, I'm not just gonna give. Matter of fact, I don't even think that way if I'm generous. I'm thinking this is an investment in legacy. I may not ever see that person. Let me give you an example. Let's take the kids team volunteer that's taking care of your kids right now. You dropped them off. They pooped. They didn't sleep last night. They're grumpy. You're not thinking, hey, Troy, finish quick. You're thinking, take as long as you want. Because that kid has worn me out this morning and last night and all week. Matter of fact, if I could leave him all week with them, I would do it. That's what you're thinking right now. Come on, how many of y'all being honest with, just be honest. You're thinking that right now. I'm glad y'all are honest in church because, you know, if you're dishonest, God will kill you right here in church. <laughs> Let me tell you what those kids volunteers are thinking. When you dropped your kid off, they were thinking E-R-O-I. The songs that they sing, the ministry that they do, they are investing in your child for the future of the kingdom of God. That's what they're doing. That's what they're thinking about. So listen, they got up early. They spent all last week preparing for your kids to take care of your children because they believe those children are the future. They're the now generation and they wanna impact the world through your kids. That's, that's how much they love you and they love God. Let me tell you about the usher. The usher that's sitting, usher, stand up if you're, if you're an usher. Some of them, they're all waiting in the back. You know, come on, stand up if you're an usher. Stand up if you're an usher. Come on, give it up for our ushers. Let me tell you what they're thinking. When you walk through these doors, they're thinking, I don't know what they came out of. And they usher them, they smile at them, even if they don't have teeth. We, you don't have, it's not a requirement for you to have teeth and be an usher. So they, they, walk, they walk you in. They say, hey, just come sit right here because what they're thinking is today could be the day. I get the opportunity to take them out of something and introduce them to someone. And the chair that I'm gonna sit them on, I prayed over that chair. I've actually thought about what's gonna happen and I'm so grateful that when they sit down in this chair, 
Maybe their marriage will get changed. Maybe the day is today when their kids are gonna accept Jesus Christ. Maybe today is the day. That's, that's what they're thinking, E-R-O-I. The person who goes on a mission trip. We just had a couple guys go to Peru and invest, E-R-O-I. They were so generous with their life. They took off work so they could go overseas to help people they may never see again. And they're not thinking that it's hard and challenging. They may not go back because, you know, they eat guinea pigs over in Peru. Who wants to eat a guinea pig? That's what they do in Peru, but, you know. They went over there and they spent time and they built. And they, they're not just building buildings, they're building futures. E-R-O-I. See, this is what a generous person thinks about. They're not thinking about what they are losing or giving up. They're thinking about what they're investing in. So those, those men that went over to Peru, they raised their own money. They, they actually raised a lot more than their own money. And one day they're gonna walk into heaven and there's gonna be a line of people from Peru that's gonna be a result of their investment. And they're not gonna know them but it's gonna be a long line and every one of them is gonna come up and say thank you so much for taking 10 days of your life and investing in my life and my kid's life and my grandkid's life and my great grand. Are you following what I'm saying here? It's the same with our giving. Listen, listen, listen to me. I know some people get upset with churches that ask for money and I've said this before, there's a lot of cheaper churches to go to. A lot of cheaper churches you can go to that aren't gonna be doing anything. They're just comfortable. They sit in their little club. They don't talk about anything. They don't do anything. And you can sit there all day and just be, feel good about yourself because you went to church for an hour and 15 minutes. Or you can be a part of a church, a ministry that's actually seeing lives changed, fighting battles and investing in people's future. Are you following me? And so when you get to things like liberty, you're thinking, eternal return on investment. That's what you're thinking about. You're thinking, oh, it's just an electric, little electric golf cart, but man, you know, that, that person may not have, not have ever walked to church because it was too far to walk, or those young people that are gonna walk onto the property and, and get experience Christ's freedom, I get to be a part of that. I may never meet them, but I get to be a part of that. Look, we could end poverty and hunger, but if we don't give them Jesus, they got a full belly and they're going straight to hell. So when I think about my generosity, I want a heavenly, eternal investment. I'm not giving to anything else. I mean, there's great causes out there, but if they don't have cause and Jesus, not getting involved. Because Jesus is what it's all about. Are you following me? Last thing, last thing. Here we go. Generosity is intentional. It's intentional. Man, I'm preaching good today. I can't wait to listen to this message. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart. Generosity is planned out. I hang, around, I hang out with a lot of generous people. I'm so thankful for my friends, my family, the people that I connect with, and they're all, I don't like stingy people. Matter of fact, stingy people don't like me. So like when we go out to restaurants, all of my crew, we go out to, out to eat, you gotta be intentional to pay the bill. Like, I'll typically go, hey, I'm gonna set the restaurant up because I know if I don't set it up and make the reservation, 
and give them my card two weeks ahead of time, I'm never gonna be able to pay for that meal. And we all go with people who have those T-Rex arms. You know what I'm talking about? You know what? You, you finish eating and the bill comes and it's all of a sudden, shoom, and they're just looking at it, looking at you, looking at the bill, looking at you, looking at the bill. They ain't gonna pick it up. They're trying. No, they ain't trying. They're stingy. And then you grab it and they go, oh, thank you very much. Oh, you're so sweet. I was gonna get it. Liar. You weren't gonna get it ever. You have to be intentional with my friends. So here's what we've done and this is what we end up doing. If I don't get to pay for the meal, I typically will just find somebody in the restaurant and just pay for theirs. You gotta be intentional. Now, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you something, and I don't want you to take that. I'm not saying this egotistically. I'm just telling you I'm intentional about my generosity. I carry around cash. This, for young people, this is called cash. <laughs> it's green. They have president's names on it and numbers on it. And uh, I know you have Venmo and Cash App and all that stuff. That's not cash. This is cash. So I carry around, intentionally, I carry around a couple $100 bills. Now, don't come up to me after service and say, the Lord told me. You know, pastor, the Bible says faith without hints is dead. (laughs) I carry around. I didn't start with $100 bills. I started with $5 bills, then $10 bills, and then $20 bills. $50 $50 bills. And I, I say, God, lead me to someone that I can make an investment in. That's what I do. I'm always looking. My wife will tell you. It's, sometimes it can get a little obnoxious because I'm intentional. Are you intentional about your generosity? 2 Corinthians 9, verse 11. Yes, God will give you much to, so that you can give away much. And when you... When we take your gifts to those who need them, they will break out into thanksgiving and praise God for your help. Number one prayer request at Freedom House. Number one prayer request every year since we've opened is I need money. Number one prayer request. Please pay my bills. Please help me with my house. Please help me get out of debt. Let me tell you how to make that happen in your life. Two parts of being intentional. Number one, you gotta be intentional with your money. Everything I've talked about really has not not much to do with money, but let's talk about money for a second. You gotta be intentional with your money. How do I do that? It starts with your tithe. Generous people tithe. What does that mean? I'm a steward. If I'm generous, I'm a steward. It means God owns everything. He gives me 100%, and then he says, Troy, if you trust me, you'll bring the first 10% so I can bless the other 90 This is the principle with God. It's the principle of the first fruit. He says, you give me the first 10%, not the last 10%. It's easy to give what's left over. It's more difficult to give early. So he says, give the first 10%. That's what tithe means. It means 10th, not eighth or sixth or ninth. It's 10th. Where does it go? It goes to the storehouse, the Bible tells us. What's the storehouse? 
the place where you be, you're being fed spiritually. I don't determine where my tithe, the, the tithe goes. The Bible does. The Bible tells me how much and where it goes. It goes to the church where I'm being fed. And so I, I am fed by Freedom House. I listen to the speakers. I'll, that's where I'm fed. So I tithe to this house. This is my house. And so you don't get to determine where the tithe goes. The other 90%, you can do whatever you want to with it. That's what God tells us. Matter of fact, not only are we to give it to the storehouse, the church, God says, test me in it. So really, tithing is not about money. It's more about trust. It's all about trust. And here's what God's saying. Do you trust me and can I trust you? So do you trust me? Give him the 10% so he can trust you. That's, that's the whole principle here. It's the only time in the Bible where he says, test me in it. So I've done this for 15 years. This particular thing I'm gonna tell you right now. I give everybody who's never been a tither a 90-day tithe challenge. You tithe for 90 days. You let us know, I'm gonna start tithing. I'm gonna take 10% of all of my increase, everything that comes in, and I'm gonna bring it to the storehouse, the church, and I'm gonna give that 10%. I'm gonna do it for 90 days. If God doesn't do something significant in your life, we'll give you all the money back. Give it all back to you. Test him. I, I believe him enough that you, you, you'll get blessed. I'm gonna tell you, most of the time it happens in the first two or three days. Now, now listen, listen to me, listen to me. A lot of people think, well, if I start tithing, God's gonna fix everything. No, 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 no. It took you 30 years to get in your position. This is a good start. Now, he can fix it real quick, but typically he teaches us stewardship along the road to help us understand how to stay fixed. Are you following me? I want you to get, this isn't like a just, you know, Lord bless me, just drop it in the container and bam, everything's gonna change. All my bills are gonna go away, my house is gonna get paid off, and Visa's never gonna call me again. No, that's not gonna happen that way. Could, highly unlikely, that it's gonna happen that way. So you got, I gotta be intentional with my money. Then after that, you can be generous. Tithing is not generous. Let me say it again. Tithing is not generous. Tithing is obedience. Tithing is not generous. Tithing is obedience. Generosity begins after your tithe. Then you have the discretion to do what you want to with your finances. Now, I would encourage you to invest your finances where there is an E-R-O-I, eternal return on investment. Lots of opportunities here at Freedom House and lots of opportunities around the world. But make sure Jesus is with everything that you give your finances to. Because otherwise, no eternal. No eternal. Second thing that we have to be intentional about in our generosity, and I'm done here, is I gotta be intentional with my faith. Because the greatest gift you can give somebody is not a $100 bill, but Jesus. Now, I know what you're thinking because I thought this a long time ago. Well, when I share my faith with somebody, man, that's hard. Like, there's no way that I could do that because I don't know the Bible enough I know a few things, John 3, 16, see it on TV all the time. Look that one up. 
I, I, know, I know a few verses because I hear them on Sunday, but man, if somebody starts challenging me with the Bible, I really don't know what to say to them. And listen, that's not even the important thing. The greatest Bible someone will ever read is your life, your story. So when you are intentional with your faith, basically, you just tell them your story. Your story. That's what people really want. Sure, there's all kinds of people out there who want to argue about six days creation and eschatology and the seven horses and all this other stuff. But honestly, what, they, what people really want to know is, will God really change me? Will he really help me? And you go, yes, he will, because he helped me. I was lost, and now I'm found. I was bound up, but now I'm free. I was full of sin, but now I am a, I am a saved, blood-bought child of the living King. And I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging for bread. And that's me. And God will do. I, he, if he did it for me, he'll do it for you too. That is what people need to hear. Amen. Stand up on your feet. Stand up on your feet. Close your eyes. Bow your head. Father, thank you for being so generous to us. Just think about that for a second. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Pastor Aaron said it earlier. Some of us, we should have been dead, but by the grace of God. Some of us should be like super broke, but but by the grace of God. Some of us should be in prison, but by the grace of God. Some of us should have been divorced, but by the grace of God, the generosity of God. Thank you, God, for being so faithful. Thank you, God, for being so generous to us. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for saving us. Father, I pray for every person in this room today that that one thing would become real to them. That God, you bankrupt heaven for us. That you sent your only begotten son. Man, I did not deserve it. No, I did not. I never have deserved it. Never will deserve it. But God, thank you. That even in my unqualified, undeserving. I even slapped you upside the head a few times, God. Did so many bad things to you. Said so many bad things about you. Lived my life in ways that totally didn't acknowledge you. But. You're still faithful. So if you're here today and maybe you need to receive that grace, the grace of God, so you can begin your new story. Flip over to chapter five that says, I hit the reset button and God began to work in my life. All things have been passed, have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That's, that's God's plan for your life. Look, I remember being an alcoholic and a drug addict and all kinds of jacked up and just lost. And then God came into my life. Let him start in your life today. If that's, if that's you, you need the grace of God, the grace of God. It's available today. That presence you feel right now, that's the presence of God. He's drawing you right in, saying, just, just, just take a step with me. Just take a step towards me. You want to give your life to Jesus today? I'm going to count to three. When I get to three, just raise your hand. You ready? One, two, three. Just raise your hand all across this room. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. 
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you in the back. Thank you. Thank you. Maybe you knew God at one time in your life and you don't. And you want to get right with God again. Just raise your hand. I want to pray for you. You need his grace in your life. You need his mercy in your life. Just, just lift your hand and say, that's me. I say, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you all over the room. Let's pray this prayer out and then I want to pray over you before we leave. Let's pray this all together as a church family. If you raised your hand on either one of those, I just want you to pray this out loud. Say it loud enough so you can hear with your own ears. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus died for me. I believe that God, you sent your son Jesus Christ for me. He died for me. He was raised from the dead for me. Thank you for the grace I receive right now. I believe that Jesus is my Lord and my Savior in Jesus' name. Now just lift your hands up all across this room. Lift your hands up. Let's just let the presence of God let the presence of God come and just minister to you right now. Let him touch you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Now, I wanna ask you a question. If you're here today and you say, you know what? I wanna be intentional with my faith this week. God, would you give me an opportunity in the next seven days to share my faith with somebody, my story? If that's you and you wanna take a step, that, that's, be, that's the start of your generous journey. I wanna be intentional with my faith. Just put your hand right on your chest. You say, that's me, Pastor. Father, I pray for every person here. God, that what they think is an accidental meeting will be a very intentional moment. No matter where it may be, at a restaurant, at work, in the neighborhood, in line at Walmart, no matter what, God, in that moment, Father, we'll know it's time to share our story of how you changed my life. And so, Father, I, I don't know what's gonna happen in that moment, and honestly, I'm thankful that I'm not responsible for it, but I'm thankful that the Holy Spirit will be fully involved in that moment. And whether it's a seed that's planted or a seed that's being watered, Father, I'm just so glad that I get to participate in some eternal return on an investment. So, Father, I'm going to be ready with my story of how you changed me, of how you delivered me, of how you set me free, of how you set me up of how you came into my life. And Father, I will be an obedient, willing servant to share that story in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. So Father, I pray for every person, God, that they would, oh man, this is gonna be an awesome, awesome week of people receiving Jesus, hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ in the lives of us here at Freedom House. We're so grateful, God that we get to be a part of your plan in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, give God a big hand clap.